Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Our scripture today comes from the 17th chapter of John's Gospel. In the chapters leading up to this, Jesus has been talking with his disciples about all that is about to happen. His betrayal and arrest, Peter's denial, the coming of the Holy Spirit, all of the sorrow that will happen, but the joy that will follow. It's a long talk. It goes on for four chapters, and reading through those chapters, we have the feeling of a dying leader calling his disciples together to go over everything one more time. And then in chapter 17, Jesus stops talking to the disciples and starts praying for them. He begins his prayer for those right there with him. And then with with verse 20, where our passage starts, Jesus extends his prayer to the larger Christian community through all space and time. And so it is a prayer for you and for me. And it is a prayer for unity. Hear the word of the Lord from John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 20 through 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of the Lord. that they may all be one. Let's begin with a story of oneness, of unity. It's a story that I read a few years ago back in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution by Gracie Bonds Staples. You may remember her wonderful column, it was called This Life, and she wrote about all sorts of things, but oftentimes her topic was the church. And in the column that I'm remembering, 
She was writing about a church up in northeast Georgia called Union Grove Baptist. Union Grove had just gotten a new preacher who came in with new ideas, including laying hands on people who would fall on the floor. This didn't sit well with some of the church members, including Janora Biggs, who was 103 years old and had been a member of Union Grove since she was 11. She said, Baptists don't do that. Mother Biggs had actually taught the new pastor back in first grade, that was some time ago, so she felt comfortable calling him up on the phone to discuss the situation. She called, but there was no answer, so she left a message, and the new pastor did not call back. Soon after that, the church had a meeting, and in that meeting in front of everybody, Mother Biggs stood up and asked the preacher why he, why he hadn't returned her phone call. That's when one of the deacons made a motion to revoke Mother Biggs' membership. And a few days later, sure enough, she received an official letter from the church that read, this letter is to inform you that according to the bylaws of the Union Grove Baptist Church and by the vote of the active members, any membership or associations you have had with this church are now officially revoked. Therefore, you cannot attend Union Grove Baptist Church for any reason whatsoever. You are not to come to the property of Union Grove Baptist Church located at 680 Pulliam Street, Elberton, Georgia, 30635. Well, Mother Biggs returned to church the very next Sunday. The preacher, not at all happy to find her there, called the police to have her removed, but they refused, and so the pastor dismissed the service, turned out the lights, and left the 103-year-old great-great-grandmother sitting in the dark. News of the trouble spread, and many people reached out with sympathy and support to Mother Biggs. Someone contacted the Reverend Dr. Robert Franklin over at Emory, and he responded with a reference to the Sermon on the Mount. You know this, this thing that Jesus said, that if you come to the altar bringing a gift and you remember what? That your brother or sister has something against you, well, then you need to leave your gift and you need to go and make things right with your brother and sister. Then you can come back and offer your gift at the altar. Dr. Franklin said Jesus makes clear that Christians are to seek reconciliation, and on that ground alone, he was shocked by all of this. Said Union Grove was acting more like a social club than a church. Time passed, and finally, the attorney for the pastor convinced him that the church had suffered enough, and it was time that he just left, and he did. He turned over the keys and left. As for Mother Biggs, she continued worshiping in her, her same pew until her death at 107. Unity, Christian unity, can be a challenge for every single congregation, not just Union Grove. No matter how faithful, no matter how hard we try, we just can't escape what has been called the rub of community life. Nor would we want to. Ronald Roldheiser, who writes about Christian spirituality, says that church 
community is essential precisely because of this rub, that here, in real concrete church life, we find the grounding and the earthiness that brings balance to our spirituality. Without church, he says, our spiritual life is more of a private fantasy where we selectively share a few like-minded friends who will never confront us where we most need it. Church family, on the other hand, he writes, and we know this, is a hand of cards randomly dealt, including persons of every temperament, ideology, virtue, and fault. And so our illusions about ourselves, how very mature and loving and considerate we are, will inevitably be tested by what he calls the muck and grace of actual church life. It's a good thing, this muck and grace. It's a good thing. It helps us grow spiritually. Thank goodness for our church family here at North Decatur, where, as with Union Grove, our life together is imperfect and filled with grace where we love each other and bump up against each other and hang in there together. Blessed be the tie that binds us here. But what about Christian unity beyond the walls of North Decatur? That's what I really want to talk about this morning because Jesus' prayer that, that we read in chapter 17 does not stop with his close disciples but extends to the whole Christian community. And it seems to me that in this fragile world, we must do that too. Pastor David talked about this a couple of Sundays ago in his sermon about drawing the circle wider than just around us here at North Decatur. He asked a great question. What does it mean to be a congregation that makes space and not just for Christians like ourselves. It's a challenging question. It's one thing to deal with the rub of community life within our own congregation of relatively like-minded folks, and another thing altogether to seek unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ beyond these walls with whom we disagree profoundly. David acknowledged the difficulty, especially given the rise of a politics of theocracy, rule by religion that now presents a growing threat to our democracy and absolutely must be resisted. How can we be one with Christians who celebrate the rollback of individual rights and would return us to a less equal time? How can we be one with Christians who work to ban books but not assault rifles? Last week, an editor for the Christian Century magazine sent out an email on the state of public discourse, which he described as in shambles. He was referring to feedback from a recent column by the Christian Century editor, Peter Marty. Marty's column strongly criticized the devotion of some people to the Second Amendment, said the Second Amendment has been shaped into an altar upon which cowardly politicians sacrifice the helpless. The editors knew it was a provocative piece, but they never 
expected all the angry comments that came pouring in on Facebook, such as, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And you do the devil's work by trying to leave us defenseless against a corrupt and ever more socialist government. Maybe you've been drawn into similar conversations or shouting matches, conversations that leave us feeling shaken and angry and unable, really unable, to reach out beyond the walls, our own walls. And yet we must. Jesus prays that we may all be one, that we may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, he prays. Our oneness, our unity, witnesses to the world of God's presence, God's love. But when people look at the church and see hatred and division, they do not see Jesus. We must reach beyond these walls, and not in a condescending way, but recognizing that these two are beloved children of God. When a high school football coach recently prayed on the 50-yard line, author Anne Lamott wrote about it because she said it offends her to see sanctimonious public prayer. She struggles with the religious right, that's clear, but she prays all the time, and she prays to love everybody because she says, it's miserable to be a hater. I pray to be more like Jesus with his crazy compassion and reckless love. God loves everyone as is. God is better at this than I am, she says. And like Anne Lamott, we too struggle. You and I too be more like Jesus with his crazy compassion and reckless love. And oh, it is a blessed struggle, though not an easy one. So let me leave you with some thoughts of hope and encouragement. First, and most important, It is God's love that binds us together, not our own merits, our own righteousness. No wonder we feel unable to reach out when we think it's all up to us, but it is God who makes this impossible thing possible. In Christ, we are already one. We just need to show up to that reality. There's a lot of hope in remembering that. Second, just a reminder, you know this. We are all created in God's image. There's a beautiful Celtic prayer that says, let me be recalled to the strength and beauty of your image in every living soul. Can we be recalled day by day? And it takes daily effort and daily prayer but can we be recalled to the strength and beauty of God's image in every living soul? And finally, a challenge. Can we act? Can we take a step toward unity which is specific and doable? Quick example, the project that's 
being sponsored currently by Georgia Public Broadcasting and the radio show StoryCorps. It's called Take One Small Step Georgia, where people with differing views, opposing views, are brought together for personal conversations about what they care about, about who they are. It's an opportunity to get to know people that you would not normally be talking with. It's an opportunity to discover that we have much in common. And I imagine that all of us could think of at least one person in our lives with a different point of view that whom we might sit down with and listen and talk and get to know each other better. One step toward unity. We can brainstorm lots of others. For example, if your email inbox is anything like mine, I don't know where they come from, but angry messages are always in there. You can tell it because the heading is in all caps. The words, it's words like shocking and bombshell, and there are lots of exclamation points. These emails, or maybe tweets, or Facebook posts, or they may take some other verbal form. These are the bricks and the walls that we build to separate ourselves from one another. What a great step it would be to set those bricks down and stop building those walls. One more idea, specific and doable. Make some kind of public witness. When our family was in Montreat last month, we drove through that main intersection in Black Mountain. It was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and there was a man standing there, that busy intersection, especially at 5 o'clock. He was holding a big sign. It had one word on it. Can you guess what that word was? Yes. Did you see him? <laughs> Love. You don't have to have seen him. You know. He was an older gentleman, much older, and it was hot. And I imagine his feet were hurting from all that standing and that his arms were tired. It was a big, heavy sign that he held. But there was the most beautiful smile on his face. And as people drove through that intersection, they were blowing their horns and hands were reaching out of windows as if to say, Amen. Amen. We can all take a step toward unity, something specific and doable. And then there are the things we can imagine. I have been imagining for a long time, I've never said this to anybody before, but it's time. For years, I've been imagining a march for unity. Everybody's t-shirt is red, white, and blue. And the requirement for participation is that you come hand in hand with someone who has a different point of view, someone who votes differently from you. I imagine printing thousands of buttons that say, love your enemies, Matthew 5, verse 44, and handing them out on street corners. How might the world be different if people wore buttons that said, love your enemies to Kroger and Walmart and the movies, wherever we go? 
I imagine teams of congregational ambassadors who travel regularly back and forth between progressive and conservative churches where they are welcomed and invited to say a prayer or offer a song. And after worship, they, we share a glass of lemonade and we talk together. What I'm saying is this. I imagine the Church of Jesus Christ rolling up its sleeves and getting serious about this unity business. Our fragile, divided, hurting world desperately needs for the church to step up and be the church. And we can do it. Because as that beautiful reading that Mary and Anna just read, Jesus is at the head of this resurrection parade. We can do it because Jesus is our peace. In, in Jesus Christ, we are one. I'll close with a prayer based on verses from the third chapter of Colossians, which may, I'm sure is familiar to this congregation because Carl Parlato has shared it with us over and over again because it's one of his favorites since it perfectly sums up the challenge and the grace of our life together as followers of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, as your chosen people, holy and dearly loved, may we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Strengthen us to bear with each other and forgive one another as you have forgiven us. And over all these virtues, help us to put on love, which binds all together in perfect unity. Amen.